Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Choice to Be Happy podcast. I'm your host, Krista Brown, and today we are joined by Masada Jones. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Masada is a lifelong resident of Lowell, Massachusetts, a poet, a singer, founder of The Kindred Project, and author of her book of poetry entitled Becoming Broken. Welcome, Masada. Thank you. So we're just going to hop on in with questions. Um, so you and I are friends, so I know things. You do. Yes. And I remember you saying one time that your family was one of the first black families in Lowell. Is that true? I don't know if we're one of the first black families here, but I know that we are one of the few. <laughs> there's <laughs> there's uh, not too many of us here, and, and we've been here for quite a while. So it may be the first. It may be just the few. The third. Perhaps. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to come out here and lie. But I can say we are one of the few. And do you know any, were there any stories of kind of how your family started here in Lowell? Like, it, was it like your grandparents or like further back than that? Like yeah. My grandma followed, I believe, one of her cousins up. Um, and then my grandfather came up. And they would go back and forth between Lowell and Shelby, North Carolina. Shelby, wow, mm-hmm. that sounds deep in the south. Uh, yeah, I've never been, but that's what I—that's what I hear. <laughs> that is what I hear. So you've been here your whole life. My whole life. What was it like, as you know, being a young, sprightly Masada? Masada. Yes. Baby Sada. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think. I think I think my my life growing up in, in in Lowell was great. I grew up in the Acre, so Ooh. most of right. I love the Acre, and um, most of my friends were black and brown, um, and it was very much like I I had a culture shock going to Lowell High because I didn't know that Lowell was um, vast. <laughs> and that we had so many other populations because yes. I went to school in the acre for um, elementary and middle school. So going to Lowell High, I was like, whoa, mm. I didn't know Lowell had this many white people. <laughs> you know, it was it was very much a culture shock. Yeah. And where I live, white people didn't say certain things like they said in high school. So mm. it was it was quite a, a culture shock. Mm. And was there any any experiences that kind of stick out about being a kid in Lowell? Like, what do you remember? Like, what did you do for fun? Mm. Like, what was your crew looking yeah. like? We played a lot of kickball. Yes. Um, Relievio, which was the ish. What? Um, I'm sorry. What is that? Relievio was like, we, I don't even, we like ran across like the yard and certain spots would be like the prison and we had to like relieve our teammates from the <laughs> the prison. So it was like just lots of running mm. and thinking we were cool stuff. So I was quite a good roller skater. Wow. Um, it took me a very long time to ride a bike. <laughs> <laughs> it scared me. Um, yeah. Wow. Mm. The social justice games yeah. at a young age. <laughs> Relieving the imprisoned. Yes. 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 <laughs> So what about the arts? So I like, I know for me mm. when I was like 12 years old, that's when I found out what the arts mm-hmm. were. What yeah. was, what's your story? How did you first? Yeah. I think my story with anything is just like, I always just did what I felt called to. Like mm. even in terms of like somebody had asked me, like, how did you become involved with social justice? Like I think as a young kid, I just always had a, 
a very strong sense of self. So as a kid, like I just enjoyed singing. So I would always mm. sing. And my parents would be like, sing for so-and-so, I'll give you money. And so like I would. <laughs> Who doesn't want $5? <laughs> so I sang up a storm. <laughs> And that's where it started. I think my, at some point my parents were like, I, shut up. But whenever company was around, I'd get paid to sing. Wow. Mm-hmm. So were you like in the choir at school? Did you do like talent shows and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I was in chorus at school, um, in middle school. And elementary school, I mean, I just, in elementary school, I just enjoyed like music class. Mm. Um, like singing like, you know, Farrah Jaka. Yes, <laughs> Dormate Boo. Exactly. Yes. I just enjoyed that. And then um, middle school, I was in chorus and I I thoroughly enjoyed that. But I didn't really do um, any of the talent shows or anything. I think I did one um, and I was one of the, I didn't even get to perform. And I was Aww. I had practiced the song up a storm and they cut me out. My mom had to go to school and cuss the music teacher out like legit because like we, we were we were all excited for this. And she was like, how did the concert, how did the you know talent show go? And I was like, I didn't get to sing. Aww. Yeah. I would have loved to see mm. that scene. Like, Masada's gonna see. Right. Ah, oh, that's funny. But he felt bad, too. He Over the summer, he, like, wrote a letter and apologized. Because it, it was so rude. That's traumatic. Yeah, it really oh. was. So, you also, I mean, you don't just sing, but mm. you're also a beautiful poet. Well, thank um, you. When did that happen? Like, when did you first start writing writing poems? Yeah. I think it was in seventh grade we were we were introduced like poetry was introduced like in a unit mm. and I just loved it mm. I just like and I would just like write up a storm like I just was like ooh poems how did I not know this before uh, so I just continued writing from seventh grade onward and wow. um, in high school I would participate in the Jack Kerouac um, poetry contest shout out to Jack. Um, <laughs> But I, I just absolutely loved it. And I met a lot of people in high school that way. Were you so okay? So the poems that I know you for today mm. are just very deep, very all these like analogies and mm. symbolism. And I think what was your first? Do you remember your earlier poems? And oh, were they Lord. corny? Oh, Lordy. Oh, my God. Were they corny? <laughs> I remember. Oh, my God. I'm telling on myself. Yes. Here. But I remember like. And this was like probably the only time I've ever been punished my whole life. I had stole a bra like from like Macy's <laughs> in sophomore year. Uh, and I had no business. I feel like I'm not like a, like I've never, I don't think I'd have ever stolen anything, which is why it was like so we got caught. Like it was like my friend was stealing and was like, nah, you take something. And I was like, OK, I guess. So I took a bra and, and I just remember having like poems like all for a bra. And Yes. So yeah, I, that is one I uh, I definitely remember. Yes, a tale of two cups. Oh my gosh, seriously. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. So, when did you first start doing art like professionally? Like when did mm. you make the transition from like um this might be fun at a talent show or yeah. this might be fun in front of my friends, but now this is something I want to do for like the the public. Mm-hmm. Why well, would I would yeah, I think it was I would go to open mic that was at Brew. This was after my brother had passed away. And mm. I my cousin was like, you know, there's a new cafe downtown. You should really go there and, and check it out. Mm. Uh, so I went to Brood. Uh, I want to say this was like maybe, maybe it was the first anniversary of them having open mics or something. Mm. It was like some, something significant. And for those a lot who of don't know, there. can you explain um, what Brood means? Yes. 
Brood Awakening Coffee House, Market Street, <laughs> yeah, sixty one Market Street to be precise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, my cousins were like, "Yeah, go down, go on down to um, the cafe. They're doing some cool stuff." So I walked on down because I also was a walker for a very long time. I was scared to drive. From where you live now? Mm, oh God, no. <laughs> well, actually, that's that's what made me get. That's what made me start driving because I we moved super far away. Wow. But this is when yeah I would walk from when I, uh, we lived in the Highlands. So I walked wow. on down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. That would that that was cur- <laughs> that was quite a <laughs> quite a walk. <laughs> but yes, from the Highlands, it was much different. Wow. And I made that troop quite often. Um, <laughs> So I got, I went to the open mic and the hosts were my two friends from high school. I mean, mm. we weren't like friends, but we knew each other, Joey Bond and Anthony Febo. Mm. So I met them and they had a group called Life, Lyricists and Full Emancipation. Um, and they had been writing as a group. So I went, I think I had wrote a poem for my brother where I sang um, A Change Gonna Come. Uh. And we like started just hanging out. Um, long story short, they asked me to join the group. And so oh. we started traveling and um, going to like a lot of colleges mm. and other places performing and getting paid. That was like, I think the first time that I ever got paid yeah. um, for my craft. And, and I felt very blessed. Uh, mm. The dream. Yes. So not only are you all about some arts, which is magical, but you also are about community a great deal mm. for advocating for black and brown people, for being unapologetic and authentic, which are things that I really admire about you mm. and appreciate. And I think part of your work in that way led you to founding the Kindred Project. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about how it came about. Yeah. Um, yeah, your origin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I feel like being a native Lowellian, lots of folks ask, so where are the black people at? Like any, <laughs> any, at any where that I am, if I see another black person, they likely ask, um, where are we at? Yes. You know? So I had met, or I, I've just known a few black women in the city. So I, it started with uh, me either meeting one-on-one, you being one of them, mm. um, and then starting as a group. And I think that I was like, hmm, I think... I think I'm on to something here. Mm. And we had started reading um, Kindred like as a book club. Mm. Um, and then I was talking with Maritza. I was like, I think that this is something that I feel like I like needs to be done. Mm. And I was talking to my dad about, I feel like the word Kindred keeps coming up, like mm. reading the book. And he was like, how about the Kindred Project? Ooh. And I was like, boom. <laughs> I, by, my God, I think, I think we've got it. <laughs> by Joel. Right, exactly. Uh, and, and, and we did. Um, and we continued to create visible community with black people in Lowell. Um, that also includes melanated folks. Mm. Um, I think that we need space. And it, it initially started with black and Latinx folks, mm. um, just because... Um, Black people and Latinx people don't really have a place to meet outside of like churches. Yeah. Um, and church is great, but also like sometimes you want to just be able to show up um, fully. And I think that that's important. And mm-hmm. I think we need spaces to do that. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. And I will also add that in that Lowell famous, like you see another black person and you immediately like need to make the eye contact and connect. Masada and I are like friends solely because of that i kept seeing this woman around lowell and i kept watching her and not in a creepy way but just 
I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, there she is. Oh my God. So then one time, I don't know if it was text. I wasn't texting. Must've been a Facebook message or an email. I don't know. I just remember us just like head nodding and making yes. eye contact. Maybe there was some waving involved. You know, yeah. a little. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And I, I don't know what happened, but I finally like got the balls mm. to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to like reach out to her. It's almost like dating. It's like <laughs> I'm just watching. I'm like, one day. So, then I, <laughs> so I hit her up and I remember we ended up meeting at Hypertext at the mm. time. I think it was Hypertext, um, the bookstore yeah. on Merrimack and mm-hmm. John and like ah, uh, I can't explain it it was just beautiful like it wasn't there was no awkwardness dare I say it was kindred like <laughs> I felt like we it was just beautiful to me mm. and to know that you were involved in the arts and that you were I don't know you were just I think it just felt right it felt really good mm-hmm. it didn't even feel forced it's like mm-hmm. the second we sat down I was like oh my god and like we were talking about religion like everything yeah. and that's really what started it and i think a lot of my black friends in law i mean you've introduced you're the one who introduced me to kasaya mm-hmm. introduced me to nashelle yeah. um melody like all the it's it was you it's, yeah. it's insane to think about i think that i think i just tried to be very intentional about bringing folks together yes. so i mm. mean we did that you you chose to show up <laughs> well right so not only were you performing poems and things you would one day come to like write your own book of poetry um and it's called becoming broken can you explain the title and what people can find within it Mm -hmm. so a lot of it consists of poems i wrote around losing my brother um so i a lot of it deals with what my family went through um even after that what dating was Mm. meeting interesting men Mm. um and also some of it is like finding myself and how i found or chose to be happy. Um, And I think, (laughs) so a lot of it was like, so becoming broken, I think all of that has led to my being broken. Mm. I mean, obviously I I have also chosen not to live in that, but the book consists of all the things that allowed me to become broken. Mm. Yeah, But I choose not to live there. Yes. Mm -hmm. You may dip your toe in. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's it's a a past. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So is performing, I mean, for some people, I mean, we all love attention, obviously, but when it comes to performing, what kind of like emotional, psychological effect does it have on you? Like, do you zone out? Mm. Is it like a safe space for you? Do you get anxiety? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it usually depends on the audience. Mm. Yeah, I think sometimes I feel like the audience is just there to like support me and I'm like oof okay I can do this like heavy poem or um I can totally get up there and get free you know Mm. um sometimes I'm just like nervous maybe it's like like a room full of people that I just don't know and I'm kind of like ooh, I just feel really nervous Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah and then and then if I'm really nervous then I kind of just zone out I'm like I don't even know what I said Mm. like that's usually (laughs) when I'm really nervous what's like your What's your ideal audience? Mm. Like, when do you walk into a room and you're like, this? Like, this. Yeah. Or do you like lots of reactions? Do you like quietness? Do you like... I like reactions. Mm. I like to know that people are truly listening or that the line that I have there is like, ooh, that resonates. Yes. Like, it's always nice to know that the audience, re- like, if something resonates with them. Um, it makes me feel good. Mm. Okay, you guys got that. Yeah. I'm not really that good with humor. 
I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think like not humor in writing. Like I don't. Oh, I feel oh. like it does. Yeah, I feel like humor in writing it doesn't doesn't always land quite right. Because mm. I'm also like a weirdo, so not everything is like not everything I write is like going to translate over. I'm like, oh well, yeah. that, oh okay, that was just funny to me. <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> yes, the awareness. Mm-hmm. You're just very much aware, I think, of who you are, mm. what you're about. Was that a journey at all for you or is it, has it been something that's kind of been in you since you were little? Yeah. I feel like it's been in me since I was little. I was a very outspoken child. (laughs) Hard to believe, huh? Um, Yeah, I was just very outspoken as a child. Um, There were a lot of things that I didn't necessarily get. So I think I also asked like my question, my parents like hard questions Mm. that uh, I think even in one of the poems in the book, I'm like, I think it was like a hard time. Like, I think my parents may have had a hard time raising me. Mm. Like I was just like a curious child. Um, So I asked a lot of hard questions. Um, And then my dad gave me this advice that has like, it just stayed with me since I was a kid. Um, He's like, you can say anything you want to say to anybody. Mm just say it in a nice way mm. so like that has stayed with me like I've always feel like if something's on my heart I just don't really like feeling funky in my spirit yes. like so if something's on, like I feel odd or I'm just kind of like hmm you know I, I take a step back and mm. I'm like I don't like that so how do I I figure out how am I going to address this because mm. I don't like I just don't like leaving a space and having a lot of questions so mm. I just address it that's real good mm. I don't like questions mm. I was on the opposite side. Like, I felt like my mom raised me to be very, like, nice to a fault. Like, Mm. be kind. Like, it's the Christian way. And I think I took that seriously. (laughs) So whether you were mean, disrespectful, whatever, I was like, I gotta be nice. And now as an adult, I find myself undoing that Mm. and finding out where it came from. Like, the stuff is really deep. What does undoing that feel like for you? It is empowering, Masada. Like... Because you, I think what happens is we all understand. I think at, at one point in your life, you understand that the large part of what you think, even believe, mm-hmm. was not your own doing. Like right. we were raised mm-hmm. a certain way. We were indoctrinated a certain way. For sure. And if I was raised like a different part of the country, mm-hmm. I could, I may believe in totally different things than Absolutely. I do now. Mm-hmm. So now in my life, I find myself being like, saying stuff out loud and being like, do I believe that? Where did that even mm. come from? I don't even know where the root of that belief system came from. Yeah. And it feels good, but it's also kind of scary mm-hmm. because in that you're also undoing 20 right. something years of like belief. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Yeah. But I do think when I have kids, I don't know what that looks like, but like, I want them to be where I'm at now at a young age, like to have mm. that freedom to explore what right. feels right or what, brings peace as opposed to being like, no, this is the only way. And Mm -hmm. then having to deal with that when you're older, I think it's a lot. Mm -hmm. I think you being aware of that is great yeah. so that you can, you can like be attuned to that for your children. Yeah. So you can allow them space for, to think for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think my, my parents did allow me space, Mm. which was, which was nice. Mm. And so it just needed. Mm -hmm. So when you think about your future and your life, Mm -hmm. like the older Masada, what, at the end of the day, like what impact do you want to have on this city, on people, on your family? Like, what do you most think about wanting like your name one day being like Masada? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they thinking about? <laughs> I haven't the slightest idea. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. 
I really don't know. I would like to think that people are like, hmm, she did good work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that for everything that I do, I want to have made someone feel something, maybe mm-hmm. consider something deeply. Mm-hmm. Huh? Like I, I piqued their interest in some way, but mm-hmm. they're kind of like curious and they, you know, have to dig a little deeper in themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you've, I think you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I just like to like, I'm like, I feel like I ask, you know, I like to think that I ask good questions. Um, and that in my being present for other people, um, I just show up and people are like, yeah, mm. I see that. Mm. That didn't make sense, but it does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like it's being like, I think sometimes about being present, meaning like, like being fully aware. Some, sometimes it's literally just showing up. Mm. You don't even have to be engaged. Sometimes it's literally like making the choice to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, I think it's really apparent how much you value that. Mm. What are your your dreams for the future? You've already done like a crap ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. What are you um, What are you thinking about in terms of what your future could look like? More work. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I just I'm always like, there's so much work to be done. Mm. I think in terms of just uniting um, black and brown folks, I think that. Um, especially with the Kindred Project, our goal is to unite, uplift, and empower um, these communities. Um, and I think that that's just going to take time mm. like with, with anything. I mean, even now, we've um, now been doing this work for three years. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. It's just like a toddler. Yeah. And we just have a lot more work to do, mm. a lot more um, people to engage. Mm. Mm. What about personally personally Hmm. like do we want more vacations do we want more you know manicures a life of leisure Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think my my future I just want to be healthy and well Mm. Um, also almost a year ago I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis Mm. so my life may look different and uh, there are some things that I'm not going to necessarily be able to control. Um, but I know for sure it's, I'm, that's still not going to stop the work. So that, that's what I know to be certain. Mm. Mm. Oprah, yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> she has this saying, like, what I know for sure, maybe for Maya Angelou, one of them. But she, it's like a book of what yeah. she knows for sure. Okay, I, yeah. I did not know that. And it's funny because on this podcast, when mm. we talked to Maritza, mm-hmm. she said, I asked her that, like, yeah. what do you know for sure? And she was like, for certain. Oh, like, it was God. Really- <laughs> <laughs> so as you know, this episode, not just this episode, but the podcast, mm-hmm. Choice to be Happy, is meant to not be this sort of like blanket mantra, like you're in the middle of the jungle, mm. like I choose to be happy. It's right. supposed to be being committed to at least finding the moments Mm -hmm. or being in the middle of crap and being like what you're going to choose to focus on. So whether it's like you got haters in your life, Mm -hmm. you can think about that all day. You can choose to be happy and ignore it. Um, So with that, what does choice to be happy mean to Masada Jones? Mm -hmm. I think 
it means what I've spoken to earlier is just not not always feeling well within myself and not feeling funky. So I think I I choose to feel something different. I choose to be happy. And that's typically by addressing whatever whatever weirdness is in my spirit um, and just making sure that I am well and, and choosing a different thing. Mm. Mm. So Masada, you're lovely. You're beautiful. You're a magical creature. Oh, I'm a creature. Yeah. <laughs> Where can people who want to find you in a friendly scrolling way find you? A friendly scrolling <laughs> like, way. Find you. It's yes. Creepy, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I, I'd say like us on social media, The Kindred Project. Yes. We are on Facebook, uh, Lowell The Kindred Project, and on Instagram, uh, Lowell Kindred Project. Find us. And if we want to purchase Becoming Broken, what is the best way to go about that? Yes. Well, contact me via the social media and I will deliver. I am trying to figure out an online way to get that to you, mm. but I'm not tech friend. Like, I'm not, I don't know tech things. And if someone's out there listening who knows how to do that, just email us. Yes. And we'll connect them to Masada. Please. Yes, please. Yes. Mm. Well, everyone, that wraps up our interview with the wonderful Masada Jones. So great talking to you today. Thank you, ma'am. For those of you who want to learn more about us, feel free to follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the Choice to Be Happy Podcast. Email us, choice to be happy podcast at gmail.com. Remember, that's the number two and the letter B. Have a great day.